Welcome to the morning community of Northridge Vineyard. Our deepest desire is that you will encounter Jesus as you listen in to our morning gathering. If you'd like to find out more about us, check out our website, northridge.org.au forward slash mornings. Um, we have the privilege of having Beck Gelding come and speak to us this morning. Our um, series at the moment is... Redeeming. Oh, thank Redeeming. you. Yes, that's right. I went blank. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad. Um, uh, yes, redeeming dot, dot, dot. So last week, Anna spoke to us on redeeming grace, which was fantastic. And we know that you're speaking to us today on redeeming authority. So we're really looking forward to that. So let me just pray for you and us, Beck. Lord Jesus, thank you for Beck. Thank you for her life. Thank you for what you um, have done, are doing, and will continue to do in her. Thank you for the gift she has of speaking your word. And we thank you for what she's prepared, and we pray, Lord, that she would be faithful in what she knows you wanted to say, and that we would be receptive by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello. Uh, So yeah, authority. It feels like the worst week to speak on authority when you just turn on the news and you're like, oh, there's an example of authority gone wrong and another one and another one in in world leaders in local leaders in church leaders in families it's a really timely topic um but today we want to talk about redeeming authority because uh, there's a story of authority throughout the bible and if we don't capture it we're never really going to be able to do authority well So I'm aware that I'm just going to be skimming the surface. And so if this captures your interest and you want to dive deeper, I'd really recommend um, a book by Michael Heiser. Depending on how much you like to chew over theology stuff, there's like a really meaty version, which is called The Unseen Realm. There's more of a like a entree version, which is all the highlights of The Unseen Realm that's called The Supernatural. And then if you just want to watch some things, there's he collaborated with the Bible Project on some videos too, so you can watch that there. Uh, So let's get started. So in the beginning, we're starting with Genesis, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So formless and empty. Some translators actually say it's chaos because there was no structure. And what does God do when he creates? He starts to bring order. He separates the sky from the non-sky, and he separates darkness from light, day from night. Uh, He creates all all the land from the water, creates the different trees of their different kinds, the different animals. Some translations even say the creepy things that creep along the ground. It's like, yes, he even made those. Um, But it's like just, he's just taken the chaos and he's creating order out of that chaos. And he made human beings to be fruitful and increase in number, to fill the earth and subdue it, to rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature, the creepy things that creep along the ground. Uh, And he planted two trees in that garden, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so far, so good. Everyone's like, yeah, I know this story. This is pretty familiar. 
but God actually gives Adam the job to work in the garden. And I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. Adam was created to bring order in the garden. He had to name all the animals, and then he was told to work and to keep the garden. This was his act of worship. This is what we're created to do. We're created to work and to keep. And those same two words are what the uh, priests do in the temple. They're to work and to keep uh, in the temple as well. And it's almost as if God gives Adam and Eve a gift. I can picture it, I don't know why, I picture it as this like box with a big red bow in it, and inside is a crown. And he's like, hey guys, I've made this earth here, you guys rule over it. And as they hold that box, they're like, okay, and Adam's naming the animals and they're doing what they do in the garden. I'm not very good at the garden, but um, I'm assuming they're good at the garden. Uh, But they come to that temptation of the apple, or we don't know it was an apple, some sort of fruit in the tree. And that's the only thing God said, but don't eat from that tree of good, um, the knowledge of good and evil. And at some point, they've gone, oh, I really want to really have that, try that out. And in order to grab that apple, there's had to be an exchange. They've either like dropped the box and grabbed the apple, or maybe they're like to the snake, here, hold this for me. And then they've gone for the apple. Either way, the devil is the one that ends up with that crown. And the reason we know that is because if we fast forward to uh, the start of the Gospels in Luke, when Jesus comes and he's being tempted in the desert, uh, it says... In Luke chapter 4, verse 5, the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you their authority, the Greek word exousia, if you like those Greek words, and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will be yours. And Jesus answered, Actually, he didn't answer, no, you're wrong, devil. You don't have authority here on earth. Isn't that interesting? He never said, no, you're lying. He said, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And later on in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus is about to be arrested, uh, this is Luke chapter 22, he says, every day I was with you in the temple courts and you did not lay a hand on me, but this is your hour when darkness reigns, literally when, when darkness has authority, exousia. Uh, but Jesus came to earth wearing his crown. He has all authority of heaven. And he comes to earth, and we know this because in Luke, I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you start to look at themes in the Bible, suddenly you picture, oh, that's what the writer was, he was kind of stitching together a little narrative there with this theme that makes sense. But if you're just reading it like it's chronological, sometimes you can skip over those themes that are there. So if you've got your Bibles or your devices, uh, you can open to Luke chapter 8 because Jesus shows here a whole string of ways in which he has authority. So Luke chapter 8, the first, maybe I should open up the Bible 2. The first thing that he has authority over is the storm. Uh, 
chapter, uh, from verse 22. So they're, they're out and he fell asleep and the squall comes, I love that word, the squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. And the disciples wake him up, don't you care that we're going to drown? And Jesus' response, um, well, he got up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waters uh, and says, where is your faith? And then I love this, verse 25, in fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. So Jesus has authority over the winds and the waves. I think we can assume he has authority over all of creation that he has made. And then we move straight into the um, restoring a demon-possessed man. So there's a, um, and this I love, because he not only commands the impure spirit out of this guy, um, this, Jesus asked them what their name is, legion, for we are many. So this is a group of demons, right? And they say to Jesus, hey, don't send us to the abyss, send us to the pigs instead. And you know what Jesus does? He answers their request. He answers their prayer. Have you ever thought, oh, I'm just not good enough. God's, God's not going to answer my prayer. He answered the prayer of a group of demons. He can answer your prayers. There is no one beyond who God wants to answer the prayers of. So we move along. So he has authority over the impure spirits because he raised, uh, he um, cast them out. They go into the pigs. I don't know why. I would, yeah. Anyway, that's a long story. Uh, then the next one, he heals the woman with the issue of blood. It's in the same. Uh, heals the sick woman. So he's on his way to heal someone else to raise a person from the dead. But he heals on the way. He, a woman touches him, and power goes out from Jesus. Uh, and he recognises that power go out. Uh, and so he has authority over sickness. And then finally, he comes to a, a girl that has been dead, obviously for some time because they're mourning. Uh, and in verse 52, meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Jesus says, stop wailing. She's not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. And he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. He just commands. He's using that imperative voice. It's like, do this, get up. And she rises from the dead. Her um, spirits return to her and she gets up. And so what do you think that Luke is actually trying to get at then? If he's got story after story, Jesus has authority over the wind and the waves. He's got authority over impure spirits, sickness. Uh, he's got authority now even over death. The very next thing, Luke chapter 9, verse 1. When Jesus called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. See, Jesus didn't come to earth to claim his crown. He already had it. He came to earth to claim back yours. And the reason we know that is because after the resurrection, 
uh, when he's on that mount in Galilee, in Matthew chapter 28, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. He already had all authority on heaven and he had all of his authority on earth, but he came to earth and died and rose again so that he could claim back our authority. And now all of it belongs to him. And he says, therefore go, make disciples, teaching them, baptising them. And at the end of that bit, and I will be with you always. So now it's not a matter of the way that I picture it in my head, is Jesus is with us. So now as we go about, there's Jesus with his crown and his arm around us. And everything we face in life, Jesus is there and his authority is with us because he is with us. And it's not about what we do or say, but it's about understanding that authority that he has. And Paul says when he's uh, recollecting about his own salvation experience on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 26, it says um, he recounts what Jesus had said to him. And he said, I am sending you to them, the Gentiles, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the authority of Satan to God. And again, in Colossians 1, uh, 13, for he has rescued us from the dominion or authority of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. And so how does the story end? Well, Revelation chapter 22, verse 14. And it says, Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right, it's that word exousia again, authority, to the tree of life and go through the gates into the city. So we were banished from the garden um, because God said, because he didn't want us access to the tree of life. And he actually placed like angels with flaming swords so that they wouldn't come back into the garden. And here, because those who wash their robes, and it's not about laundry, praise the Lord, I'm not good at laundry either. Um, it is about those who repent and accept the forgiveness of God. They have the right to the tree of life. So now we're going to get really practical. Is that okay? That's the, that's the Bible teaching part. Now really the rubber hits the road. Three ways in which we can bring about this authority. Working, we can, we can live our lives under the authority that Jesus has for us. Firstly, in our work. So Adam, like I said before, was in the garden to work and to keep, to bring order into chaos. So where are the gardens in which you work in the week? Maybe it's an actual workplace where you get paid to be there. Maybe you have a caring role that you don't get paid for. That's still your garden. Maybe there's other gardens that you sort of pop into occasionally. How is it that you can, with God's help, bring order into the chaos? Because there is chaos everywhere. Secondly, consuming. So I've been really challenged lately with how much time these things can consume. 
Uh, there's a book called Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport, and he actually said that as a society, we're really suffering from uh, solitude deprivation, which is we're no good at just being on our own with our own thoughts. Now, we've got Jesus with us, so it's like we're not alone, but you know what I mean, uh, without any external input. Since the invention of the iPod, now we can have music wherever we go. Um, and it's only gotten worse since an iPod combined with a phone, and now we've got smartphones. Uh, we were joking with other people that the CD Discman thing just doesn't... It, it never really was going to take off, was it? It was like skipping, and you can only listen to the one aim. Um, uh, and so one of the things that he recommended in this book was uh, go for a walk in nature, leave your phone at home, take no devices, take no external input, and just walk and think. And I would suggest add into that, pray. So I thought, oh, I've never actually, I've never done that before, to be honest, on my own, just gone for a walk. I used to for exercise, you know when you're approaching a zero birthday and you might have lots of goals? I had a goal to run a half marathon. And so in order to run, I have to listen to like music or like an audiobook or something, because otherwise I can hear myself puffing and I'm like, I think I'm going to die and I'd stop running. So you really, so to go for a walk was quite amazing and like revolutionary. God spoke to me so much. I came away and I had the whole sermon outline. I was like, oh, wow, God, that's really productive. I think sometimes we think to be productive, we have to be, you know, consuming and getting lots of input. But actually, God can speak to us out in nature on our own um, much more clearly, much more easily uh, than if we're constantly needing input. Uh, but the other way that consuming has been challenging me lately is, I don't know about you, but when life gets stressful, things like chocolate or um, chips or maybe even coffee or alcohol can um, become the first thing that we reach out for, for that instant gratification, just to um, get us through that stressful period. Uh, and so I don't know if I'm the only one, but I feel like this idea of fasting just keeps popping up um, in lots of different places that I'm seeing. And so if you're like me and you're seeing that, I think God is trying to tell us something. I think maybe it's, it's time to take it more seriously. It was a practice that Jesus himself and his followers um, it was almost assumed in the Bible that you would fast because uh, he got in trouble for it. Like the Pharisees said, well, we fast and John the Baptist's disciples fast, but you guys are just having parties all the time. And then Jesus was like, well, while the bridegroom is here, we have parties, but I'll go away and then they'll fast. So, so now's the time we should be fasting. Uh, and there was also instances where they tried to cast out a demon and it, and it didn't work. And they were like, why didn't that work? Jesus was like, well, that one came out through prayer and fasting. So Jesus must have been fasting in order for that to happen. Uh, so th that's another, a second practical way uh, for taking authority over our consumption, bringing order into the chaos. And the last way... Uh, we had a great talk by Adam recently uh, in the morning on wisdom and the tongue. And so the last one is our words, but specifically our prayers. Because Jesus spoke uh, 
That was the main way in which he stood out from the crowd um, in terms of his authority. And it was like, wow, he's speaking with such authority. And we too, in um, Matthew chapter 16, uh, Jesus is speaking to uh, Peter and he says, uh, this is the amplified version, I will give you the keys or authority of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind, forbid or declare to be improper or unlawful, on earth will have already been bound in heaven. That jumped out to me because in the NIV it says, will be, whatever you bind in heaven will be bound. Uh, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in, in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So it's that idea of, well, if I name it and claim it, then it's mine. But actually, you could, the way that the verb is um, translated, it could just as easily be, have already been loosed in heaven. And that makes more sense to me because when we pray, if we're praying what is already in heaven, then that is God's will. We know that already. And so when we pray um, for anything, if it, is, if it is done in heaven, then it's, it's getting an amen down on earth. And in, if, in case you think, oh, but that was just for Peter, two chapters later, Jesus repeats that, says the same thing to a group of disciples, and he follows it up with, again, I say to you, that if two believers on earth agree about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. And so my third and the biggest challenge, this is the one that's like kept me up this week at night, and even now I'm feeling like butterflies in my tummy about it, um, is that we need to pray more and we need to pray with others. Joining twos and threes, join the Monday night prayer thing that's on, um, on Zoom, but we need to be praying and binding the things on earth that are not in heaven. So what is not in heaven? There's no COVID. There's no isolation. There's no grief. There's no loneliness. There's no anxiety, depression, sickness. So much of what I see in the world today is not in heaven. And God is calling us to pray that we would bind the things on earth that are bound in heaven, and we would release on earth the things that are released in heaven, that are loose in heaven, freedom, love, joy, all the good stuff. Uh, and I know some people have been praying already through this season, and I'm going to finish up on this. So there's, there's two stories in the two different... You know, sometimes the gospel stories, they're kind of similar, but they're a little bit different in the different versions. So in Matthew's gospel, it talks about the parable of the bags of money. So he gives some, he gives one, some he gives two, and some he gives five. Um, actually, no, he gives the same amount at the start, and then some of them bring back one, two, or five. Uh, in Luke's gospel, it happens, it's similar, it's called the, uh, it's money again, but it's about investing, and the numbers are different, but it's a similar story. But the interesting thing is, in Matthew's gospel, that story happens, that teaching happens in this lead up to Easter. It happens between Palm Sunday and uh, Good Friday. And so 
And in Luke's gospel, it happens on the way. It's the last teaching before he gets on the donkey and goes. So it's intimately tied with, it's, it's like the, the urgent thing that God was like, oh, Jesus is thinking I'm about to go through all this. What is the thing that they need to understand? They need to understand that I'm not, back then, I'm not going to um, bring about the kingdom the way they think. They're going to be here for a while and they're going to need to know they need to be working and keeping this creation. Uh, and so the thing that's been put on my heart is that there are prayers here who have been praying faithfully through this season and God would say to you, well done, good and faithful. You have been faithful with the bit that I've given you, the small amount. I am about to like double your authority, to, to double your authority in what you bind and what you loose. And there's others who are just starting to feel just a little bit of a churning up as I talk about prayer and specifically like spiritual warfare kind of battling prayer. And even if you have no uh, experience in this, I feel like God is calling all of us to step into this. And so don't be afraid that, oh, I'm only a new Christian or, or I used to do that a while ago, but I haven't done it for a while. He wants all of us to be bold in our prayers. Uh, and so I think what we might do now is let's stand and we'll just ask the Holy Spirit to come. Oh, Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for all that you accomplished on the cross. I thank you that all authority on heaven and on earth belongs to you. Holy Spirit, would you come? We ask for more of you. Lord, when we don't know the words to pray, would you intercede for us, Lord? So there was a call earlier for people that need a breakthrough in their life in terms of the, the opposition they're facing. And I feel like when there's a need, God always provides the way. So if you want to come forward for that prayer, if you're feeling churned up now to pray, this is your opportunity. That's why you're feeling churned up, because God is orchestrating this. And just a reminder to wear masks if you're um, going to be coming out to pray. Um, both receive prayer and, and to pray for others. Come, Holy Spirit. So let's just wait on the Lord.
as people come up for prayer for those who are part of Northridge and call Northridge home. If you can come and pray for those who come up, that would be fantastic. just sit a little while and allow the Lord to speak to us. There's a little bit of time, which is fantastic. you if there was something from what Beck said this morning just allow the Holy Spirit to settle that in your heart give him that space and time now I think that this question or um, just understanding the authority that we have in Jesus is so key for this next season that the forces of darkness are raging. There's a raging battle going on. And I feel like the people of God are, there's a big battle for his church as well. And the Lord wants us as his sons and daughters to walk in his authority and bring his authority into the chaos at the moment. And I know some of you, where you're at at the moment, is very much in the middle of the chaos. I know that there are things going on in people's lives. 
And the Lord wants to bring his authority and bring his kingdom into those places. I just want to encourage you if that's you and you know you've got those specific specific situations where you need God's authority you need to be reminded of God's authority maybe grab someone next to you get them to pray for you or feel free to come forward